But okay, the first segment is um, PM Scott Morrison has joined TikTok, which normally wouldn't be anything of uh, newsworthy, but it comes from years of him shitting on TikTok and saying how TikTok is data harvesting our information, giving it to the Chinese, but the election is knocking on his door and he decides to join TikTok. Hypocrite? Yeah, but also, what... 14-year-old girls are you trying to influence? <laughs> they can't vote yet. Well, Why are you there? I think he's trying to go for us. I suppose some of our generation and the ones that are like over 18, because actually not even our generation, there's a big gap between over 18s and us now. <laughs> so, <laughs> unfortunately. But I think that... You know the whole thing though, just millennials don't get it, but boomers do. Wait, wait, what do millennials not get? TikTok. I don't understand it. TikTok is none of my no. business. Dude, boomers do not understand TikTok <laughs> either. I think they do. I think they're always on there posting it going, I just want to thank the cops here for doing a great <laughs> job, so I'm sending them some flowers. I see that go viral so many times. Basically, Auntie Shelley giving flowers to the cop that I put her in in Aussie Courts Eight, I think it was. Oh, but do you know what else? Uh, do you know what else? Actually, <laughs> uh, Scott Morrison might be trying to do with TikTok. Apparently, with all of his anti-China hawkish stuff, he's actually. This was some survey I read. I think it was done by the ABC, where they um, did a survey amongst Chinese Australians. And usually, Chinese Australians aren't really too foster because they're they're pretty cool with. Australia, but ever since they've started like shitting on China a lot, some of them have, uh, and they're usually liberal voters, but some of them are like, actually, I don't like this whole thing too much. Not because they love really? the Chinese Communist Party. From what I read, it was because by like antagonizing China too much, they're scared of what their future in Australia looks like. And they all uh, watch TikTok as well. So maybe that's what Morrison's trying to do, get into them. Perhaps they But that is the constant media line that i see there's three things that you hear all the time biggest trading partner and it really depends on how much scott morrison has destroyed our diplomatic ties to china that month but it's either that they're the biggest threat on earth that we need to contain and spend hundreds of billions of our dollars on outdated military equipment that's conveniently sold to them by u.s contractors and then the third thing is, but also Chinese here are Australians. Just remember that. Don't be racist. Those are the three lines that you hear over and over in the press. Apparently that third line isn't working as much anymore because it used to work really well. Right. Because my brother was telling me this because he works with a lot of Chinese Australians and some of them are like new Chinese Australians. They love Australia. Like if you ask them, actually this is kind of surprising for me because if you ask them, do you think you'd do you think like you'd enjoy life in China and they were like no Australia is way better even with all those opportunities in China now apparently they make make you work like a dog <laughs> that's what they don't like about it yeah. though. they're talking about the lifestyle mm-hmm. yeah probably that's the average person I'll tell you who really likes China though Australian scientists and that's why you should get on board what do you mean because to them what? how Chinese people here say well it's just a great work-life balance Australian scientists say, yeah, in China, I actually have work. Because, mm, well, they're just nerds. <laughs> so that makes nerds sense. Nerds are down with Xi Jinping. Hey, there's, plenty, there's, plenty there's plenty of rocks. What are these fucking... 
rocks. The uppity scientists in Australia should go crack open rocks. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, are you saying that all scientists are geologists, or are you saying that they should get a trade? I'm saying that all science are geologists. All right. Actually, well, do, uh, glad we clarified that. To cement your point, recently I read in the news <laughs> that there was uh, an issue where the uh, coalition cement. has recently cancelled or not approved a few of the research uh, projects that the government funds because they called it um, unnecessary, but a lot of it was research on China. And they think that research on China is irrelevant for some reason. What do they mean by research well, on China? Well, the, 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 uh, from their perspective, they're saying that uh, these research were in line with Chinese views as opposed to Australian views, whatever the fuck that means. In line with Chinese views as opposed to Australia. Right, so the goons at Aspie got to them yeah. and cancelled a bunch of... You know what I think it might be? It might be research into how to patch up our relationship with China. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, I saw the research titles at least. <laughs> if the thing was about, like, because they approved some of the Chinese grants, but they, they were usually like how uh, law would be affected by uh, China's new assertive Xi Jinping model. But if it was about understanding uh, Chinese political history through the prism of whatever, like uh, nationalist leaders or whatever, if... If they felt that it was kind of antagonizing China, they approved it. If it wasn't, then they didn't. And and this fuck we're stupid, aren't we? This is really and also they they didn't approve some of the climate uh, researchers too, unfortunately. Well, that is a very uh, sharp U-turn for the coalition government. Yeah, but the ANU vice chancellor recently came out saying that the government should not. The government does not have the authority to do this. They can only do it if there's a violation of the research grant. So they're just saying, so the ANU vice chancellor or professor was saying that it's completely unprecedented for the government to outright reject grants based on these, these kind of political ideologies. Mm. So, so we, what does that mean? <laughs> it means that we're moving towards the dark ages. We're willing to only research a few segments as opposed to researching everything and making sense of what works for us or not. It's so strange, isn't it? Australia's in a permanent dark ages. I it's hope sort not. of backwater province that just doesn't get invaded for whatever reason, but kind of just sticks to its theology. I think I actually have the name of the research grants that were rejected. Um, so we can have an idea because some of them were like a little, it was, uh, I think it said, some of them were like actually literature based if you were going too much into like, how romantic uh, poetry influenced modern day stuff and the question was that like, nah, not necessary for us. Well, I agree with that. Um, maybe. <laughs> what the hell? Why is the ANU so hellbent on defending that program? Well, because the ANU actually sees it as a loss of their power because what ends up happening is all research grants, all re research proposals aren't approved. It's a select list of proposals that is usually selected by big universities and sent off to the government. And usually they approve them based on the scrutiny that the university lobby or whatever, which is created by the government, uh, sends them. But this time the government was like, no, nah, we're not going to approve these, we're not going to approve these. And that is actually something that these university lobbies think that is uh, taking away power from them. So there's a political angle towards it as well.
It's been a really uncomfortable relationship, universities with a coalition government. Yeah, it's a bit like ABC, right? Like their survival depends on it, but every ounce of their body hates them. Yeah, so like, and vice versa. Yeah, and vice versa. It must be so antagonistic and frosty sitting down with the Minister of Tertiary Education. <laughs> I really don't envy those deans. Yeah, I mean, do you do you think it's a tough job? Because I don't think it would be a completely... It would be a very tough job. I think that it's pretty much the same as being a diplomat, surely. Yeah. That's their whole job, is just having endless meetings with high flyers saying, uh, can we have more money for our trust fund? No. Well, we tried. But who wouldn't want to be a diplomat? Diplomat's a sick job. I know job. you want to be a diplomat. I can't think of anything more boring. I would hate to sit there having all of these meetings with other low-tier members of the government and both of you sitting there saying, well, we don't really have any authority to really agree to anything, so what's the point of this? But I guess that we got tea out of it. That but, was nice. But what interests me is talking about, hmm, this Baba Ganoush in Jordan tastes slightly better than the Baba Ganoush in Istanbul. Yeah, you would love that, sitting <laughs> around with a bunch of yous from across the world. Oh, my God, wouldn't it be? That, that would be your heaven. And discussing really how Baba Ganoush changed society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't hear it. Have them. you been to Iceland? Yeah, no, it's really nice this time of year. Why are we paying you? <laughs> 400 grand a year? Oh, wait, here how we go. How much do these people get? Here we go. I found that thing. Uh, so these were the... These were... <laughs> you might... Now that I read them again, you might start agreeing with the coalition now. So these were the research proposals that were rejected, okay? The first one was playing conditions, how climate shaped the Elizabethan theater. Climate. Yeah, that's the one that's about climate change. I don't know. They're trying to link Elizabethan theater with climate change or something. Oh, my God. Anti-climate science. Okay, national forgetting and local remembering. Memory, politics, and modern China. That was also rejected. That sounds all right. Yeah, that sounds all right. China stories under Xi Jinping, popular narratives, also rejected. That would be really important to know. Yeah, you'd think so. Finding friendship in early English literature, rejected. Yeah, fair enough. Out you go. Cultural production of religion by science fiction and fantasy novels, rejected. Well, I Fuck mean, come that. on. Bring that As back. A, no, like a YouTuber can handle that. We don't need to be funding <laughs> that. That guy can get Patreon, okay? Okay, last one. New possibility, student climate action and democratic renewal. Rejected. Well, yeah, of course that one was. <laughs> hey, look, if I was Scott Morrison, I'd do the same. You, you think? Okay. And this was the, this was the ANU guy who uh, was criticizing this. His tweet was, to all politicians, in a liberal democracy, you make the grant rules the independent research agency uses peer review to determine funding. It is completely inappropriate for grants to be removed by politicians unless the grant rules were not followed. I don't really understand these kind of rules, so I can't comment, but my understanding of it is what the Liberals' understanding is, which is we invent the laws, so we shape the laws. Yeah, but that's like the Liberal government being really... Um, Authoritative. Yeah. Which isn't the precedent. I don't know how it... It's not the precedent, but that is how the real world works. And I understand that they have all of these ideal... You know, this is how it should work and this is how it has worked. But 
That's a Liberal government for you. And that's what happens if you keep voting Greens. You keep getting those cars. Yeah, well, I... I would actually, because I, I understand what the statement means and I agree with. This is basically like division of powers, right? So politicians, you, you make the grant rules. So you can set the rules on which basis the grants can be provided, but you cannot reject grants that conform to the rules that you made. That is to be determined by, I suppose, the university intelligentsia professors and stuff. Right. So, yes, they're just lamenting the fact that universities have no authority at all anymore. I suppose they're also saying that you aren't smarter than like this legion of peer reviews and academics that determine this stuff, which I agree with. I don't think like... Yes, but also in that list, if I was prime minister, there would be a couple of those that I would love to cut the funding from. And I agree that on the precedent in general, that's true. But it's not just me that says it, it's also Chomsky. Really? Universities do have a lot of useless professors. That may be true, but do you expect Peter Dutton to solve this issue? Because I don't think he's capable of it. Hey, who else sticks up for common sense in this country? (laughs) (laughs) All right, look. Yeah, but look, yeah, it is. You're you're right, you're right, you're right. I agree. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so do you want to... get rid of the usual snarky comments that will come from just taking that viewpoint for no reason yeah because like look even if i agree with what you're saying i just don't like the effect of what that has yeah 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 yeah, it's the so because i disagree with these uh university professors slightly i'm going to take away all their power and give it to someone who i completely disagree with and everything i feel like that's not a good strategy yeah well you know what you're right I do really feel like a member of the panel on Bill Maher. They're always saying, like, we need more public schools. Yes. Tell them, Bill. We do. <laughs> All right, now now let us know why you hate Muslims. <laughs> pet there, pet there, pet there. Miss, I'm finally on your train and I'm off yours, Ali. Actually, that, the trigger warning, that's a joke. There's, You'll find out why, but go on. I don't know. I just really got warning. into the Byzantine Empire recently over the last couple of months but because i've had spare time i've read a lot about it you know what else i found out as well a lot of the people that i admire the most and i'm not saying their names on air for obvious reasons but they're all obsessed with it i had no idea why these are you know prominent key men folks i tell you why it's very obvious because it represents a very clear example of how the barbaric Muslim society took over this exceptional artistic civilization that we had created. And that fits their narrative really well. Are they wrong though? Look, if you only read Byzantine sources, you're gonna hate the Muslims. But like, if you read the other sources too, I'm not saying you're gonna switch sides, but you might have a more sort of robust and nuanced understanding. Well, this is my understanding of it. And this will, really get Miss Love's engine purring, right? (laughs) The Byzantine Empire acted as a shield to keep those muzzies out of Europe for hundreds of years. What I understand... Wait, wait, okay, but... I'm so afraid of this segment, but anyways, continue, (laughs) continue. No, because this is the thing that I understand from reading it now. When Sam Harris talks about it in the modern context that you don't understand how extremist Muslim doctrine is, it's not like the other monotheistic religions. I don't really care because as soon as you start putting out monotheistic, Jesus this, Muhammad that, I usually switch off. 
what I understand from the Byzantines is that they were an empire that was strategically placed in a hard-to-defend region, very, very hard to defend. Uh, the city was exceptionally well-positioned to defend, but the empire itself, mm. you were attacked from all angles. And so what they came up with was revolutionary diplomacy for the time, and they were able to keep away all of their enemies by bribing these ones, making these ones fight with each other, uh, keeping marriage ties between these ones. Their army, futuristic for the time, exceptional, because it, as, as in the Roman tradition, just picked the best of everything. And that was how they were able to reinvade Europe because they just used kind of Hunnish tactics on the barbarians there and kept it and whatever. And so they were able to do it with minimal forces. Very impressive civilization. Very impressive. I'm more impressed by them than the Romans, which is a big thing for me. They are the Romans, but, you know, the Romans. Well, they survived yeah. for a lot longer, so, you've, so that means that they were probably a lot more resilient. A lot more resilient, which is more of a shame as to why I'm just so dirty about 1453. And when I told my lawyer about it, he sent me back this book and he was saying, read this so you maintain the rage. I think a lot of the intellectuals that I know in my life really resent the fact they're still dirty about Constantinople falling and so am I. Um, it, it actually, there's a couple of moments in history that make me cry. Reading about the fall of Constantinople makes me cry. Well, of and course, because it was like the jewel that got that was taken away from them. So it's obviously you're going to be salty about that. But just on like Sam Harris's point on you don't understand like how fundamentalist Islam is and you can like probably read it from the text that I'm proceeding to the fall of Constantinople. But this is what I want to add. All political conquests of the time, whether it be Islamic, uh, uh, Zoroastrian before that, or uh, Christian, or whatever it may be, it was all guised in religious tenets. Because that's the only way. How the fuck do you motivate like a bunch of people to go and attack this place where you might lose and you're definitely going to suffer a lot, if not by religion? You tell them, like, God wants you to do it. And the example is, that's how the Byzantine also defended themselves, right? By, by their same religion. The whole Crusades is an example of motivating people based on religion to attack. It's all just like two power groups fighting against each other. But this is the thing. This is the difference. Islam was a new breed and it was impressive because it got all of these tribes in the Middle East to come together mm -hmm. and become a real threat to Europe. That was impressive. The trade-off of it was... Every other civilization that came before it that was an existential threat to the Byzantine Empire, so we're talking about the Huns, whatever form the Persians took at the time, as you were saying, it was a political move. Mm. But this was truly a fundamentalist move. The real clinch pin here was that you couldn't negotiate with them. They would not accept peace treaties, ever. They would always say, your non-believers... It is our duty from God to convert or destroy you. That's it. That was the end of negotiations. Well, look, part of it is true in the sense that, again, this is my opinion, obviously, but part of it is true in the sense that they, in certain situations they were saying stuff like that, where we destroy you uh, or we conquer you. But, in, but the defense is that's how every conqueror ever does it. 
Like, do you think the Mongols were different or the Han were different? The only difference between yeah, Han and the... Yeah, pay them off with gold. Well, the difference was, in this area, the so Han or the Persian Empire were actually, they were independent empires that were far from Constantinople. So they usually met at peripheries where they'd be trying to conquer as much as possible and somewhere in the middle they would meet and they would fight or maybe if there's a stalemate, they would come up with a peace agreement. The Muslim empire started from an area that was not famous for having empires. It was like a dead zone. It was like south of Middle East and Saudi Arabia. Like it's equal into like a, a big sort of a political force emerging from, I don't know, like Dubbo or some shit as opposed to Melbourne or Sydney. <laughs> so it's bizarre. But like, yes. So it, and I am impressed by that. I well, do need it, to get that on the record. In, but so when they are trying to exert their influence, their domain is Constantinople. And the fact that like a lot of this is this is also from from my understanding and from what I've read, like the whole idea that Islam spread by the sword. It's true in in certain areas and in, in many areas, but in most areas, that's not true. Actually, most of the time they discouraged converting to Islam because that meant lower taxes. Actually, that's why one of the bigger uh, sections of uh, Muslims is Shia Muslims. Because they offered Islam without uh, discouragement. And because they were an, uh, 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 an obscure minority initially, they didn't really care about political power or anything. But in certain areas, you're right, they, it was by sword and conquest and they converted. But that is a minority from what, from what my understanding is. And Constantinople became Muslim. Like the area, because it was in an, it, the peripheries of Constantinople, it was almost like a colony because they were controlling areas that were actually very culturally different from them. Constantinople was more culturally similar to uh, Western Northern Europe as opposed to what modern day Turkey is. And well, the reason it was able to survive after the sack of the Fourth Crusade was because they were Greek. So they did have that ethnic clinch hold because it was Greece. Yeah, and there was an absence of a powerful ideology within the Middle East which emerged after the Muslims started taking over. Yeah. So there was not a lot of competition to fight. But when there was a competition, that's the other thing. Like uh, the, the Byzantine Empire clearly was in a decline and the Islamic Empire was clearly on an upward trajectory which switched around around the First World War when the Ottomans were on a downward trajectory and Western European civilization was on an upward trajectory. Yeah, but it's just so sad because there was just a couple of decisions that if the Byzantine emperor of the day just kept them, one of them was that on the frontiers before that, they kind of left the frontier cities tax-free, which encouraged people to stay there, which meant that they were heavily fortified. They kept that policy going, probably would have survived till today. Uh, if there was just even a couple of thousand more men on the walls in 1453, they probably would have survived. Mm. There's a couple of things, a couple of key moments where you thought, fuck, only they stuck around. But I think the main thing that makes me dirty about it, and I think this is the clash of civilizations, that is exactly what you were learning in school of like, let me tell you about the greatest man who ever existed. Mehmed the second, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we just learned the exact opposite. I'm just really sad that if Constantinople stuck around, even as a city-state, for maybe 50, 100 more years, the Roman Empire, in some form or another, would have stuck around to the point 
that instead of it being Istanbul today, it would still be Constantinople and you would have that sort of un like a uninterrupted legacy from the Roman Empire. And obviously it changed a lot over the centuries, but it was still it could still claim legacy to that. And now when you go there and you look at the Hagia Sophia, it's just like it's got these fucking stupid poles over the front of it that fucked it up. You go there, the, 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 the whole city is just constantly getting redeveloped because the prime minister there is a cunt and doesn't give a fuck about any of it. And so it's like, you know... That that piece of Rome is gone. That is true, but from from like the other side's perspective, they were considered improvements. <laughs> it's really it's really your point of view. Like one point of view is that the tragedy of Constantinople, and the other point of view is the amazing victory of the creation of Istanbul. But it wasn't that amazing. He had 80,000 men and cannons. It's not that incredible. He should have been able to take it a lot easier. Actually, and you know what? This is this is what I've also noticed, and this is not necessarily a part of Constantinople, or it's just a thing of history. The more amazing you are, let's say the more into art you are, the more into intellectual pursuits you are, the richer your civilization is, the worse you are at war. And the better you are at war, the worse you are at all of this other stuff. So basically, if you look at like when the the Muslims when Muslims conquered Spain and were trying to get into France, the French were actually pretty heroic in that way. They 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 stopped their march over there. But because when they when the Muslims eventually understood that they weren't able to cross into France and they probably they've reached their limit in Spain, and they became less warlike. It actually ushered in a great era of uh, uh, of real intellectual discoveries, like the modern disciplines of chemistry and all of that stuff was created at the time. But what it also meant was that they became less warlike, and then the French eventually took back to Spain and expelled them, and also the Jews for some reason. Uh, <laughs> comes with the package. And so I feel like a lot of those early Muslim uh, conquests it was new. They were really focused on conquering and they became better sort of, they were more warlike than what the Byzantine had. The Byzantine had become more like intellectual and artistic in some way. Which is the other tragedy. I know that everyone always says, yeah, it's spurred on the Renaissance and that's all well and good. But the Renaissance was in the Byzantine Empire. That's what I found really interesting about learning about it because I always just stopped after the West Roman Empire. just didn't care about it. But man, they really kept intellectualism alive throughout the Middle Ages. Mm. It wasn't coming from anywhere else. Mm. It was just there. But okay, how about this? What if I make this argument? The fact that you and me live in the first world, enjoy a really high standard of living, as opposed to starving in, I don't know, some third world country, is because of the Muslims stopping the shipping supplies <laughs> to Asia. <laughs> because if that hadn't been done, then the British would not have the incentive, or for that matter, the Western European colonial powers would not have the incentive to conquer the sea. And if they hadn't conquered the sea, there would have been no colonization. And if there was no colonization, there wouldn't have been the industrialization. So thank them. But don't you think that would have happened anyway? Because if it wasn't the Muslims stopping it, it would have been the Byzantines stopping it. Well, so don't you think if those few decisions that you're talking about were made, it still would have been the same? 
No. I think that if those few decisions were made, the Byzantine Empire would have become even more irrelevant than what it was, but you'd still have that cool relic. Mm. That's that's all I'm sad about, really, is just the fact that you go there and you look at the, the, the churches there and you're like, those poles fucked it. It looks ugly in here. That's well, all I can <laughs> Look, I, 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 I understand it from your perspective because the, the other perspective which we weren't taught is that Constantinople wasn't just a Christian town. It was the Christian town. And the fact, usually when you lose a war, you lose peripheries and areas that you technically shouldn't really be there. Or if you were there, it's barely at the margins. But this was like the heart and center, the soul. And to figure out that it's been taken over by the enemy is, is a tough pill to swallow, so I get it. Yeah, look, and also the other thing is I'm also deeply disappointed with the Catholic Church. Why, why are you disappointed with them? Because they just didn't care about it because it was Coptic Christian or Orthodox or whatever, right? Mm. And there was a massive schism and they almost hated each other more than the Muslims. They might have even hated each other more than the Muslims. And it was only when Constantine the Eleventh switched over to Catholicism, which was a, a huge sin. There was actually a big saying back then that it was like it was better to have the Muslim crescent than it was to have the Catholic cross. That was a big viewpoint in mm. Constantinople at the time. Because the infighting was that insane. The infighting was that insane. But I think that that was a big point of why it fell as well. The fact that just that form of Christianity just lost out. They didn't care about it anymore. Well, I think there's your answer. Like, on one hand, you had the Byzantine Empire where the schisms or the divisions were intensifying. And on the other hand, you had this new, brand new ideology which seems to be uniting all these tribes that hated each other. Mm, mm. And so, all, so like, this, the historical trajectory was such that it had to happen. <sighs> 50 more years, man. That's all I'm asking. But look at it now. You've got the Middle East, the same places that were unifying, dividing and killing each other, where the West is uh, is pretty unified. I mean, you know, like we almost live in our news headings of the day, but let's be real. The West is a lot more unified than like the Middle East at the moment. Yeah. So but that's what I'm saying. The, the Byzantine Empire was doing what the US does now, which is just making all these little infights in their neighbors to preserve that empire. And they kind of just... Some emperors just sort of stopped that and thought, why are we paying gold to this? Oh, no, we're getting invaded. That's why. Shit, shit, shit. Yeah, we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose you're right. Like, the fact that you you can't bribe someone means that whatever ideology they're following is really strong for them to resist it. That's what really scared me. It reminded me of that Terminator quote. When That is the scariest line in the entire Terminator franchise when... John Connor sits her down and says, you just don't understand these robots. You can't bargain with them. You can't reason with them. All they do is find a target and kill. And I was like, fuck, they are. They are Terminators of the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would have definitely seemed like Terminators to people in Constantinople. I can't disagree with that. But like, it's really interesting hearing that it's the exact opposite viewpoint, and that's what you learned in school. Mm. Yeah, no. We, then again, we just didn't learn about it, which is another thing that I'm pissed off about. Well, to be fair, we didn't learn about it heaps too. But like, but obviously, our sympathies were the side that was taking over. Like we, we considered a huge <laughs> victory. Obviously, I mean, 
Dude, I, I told Could you, you about be this. Satisfied with their entire empire, dude. This it is wasn't the, even a good place by then. It sucked. Because my dad is an old school commie. This is what tells you about like different perspectives. We always learned the Vietnam War as we always called it the Vietnam War. We always called it a debacle of the U.S. Uh, government trying to. My dad called the Vietnam War the the War of Independence, and I was like, Dad, what what war are you talking about? What war of independence? He's like, Oh no. The 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 seven the one that ended in seventy five was like oh bang on of course yeah. from their perspective that's war of independence yeah. from our perspective it was like a blunder or whatever yeah yeah but anyways yeah. it's all about like different perspectives but I understand the perspective what, what does your dad think about it have you ever asked him uh no he'd be very pro he'd he'd be very happy that Mehmed took over yeah that Mehmed took over <laughs> and we've got like the, we've got these stories you know like the stories of uh, uh, Saladin taking over. Um, modern day Israel and how that was like we were told that it's like uh, it was one it was a good conquest because he forgave and he gave passages back to, so there's always these myths that are created yeah to suit your narrative just yeah. like the Byzantine narrative there's things created like things like if these few things were done <laughs> it would have been a-okay and we would have still been living in Constantinople <laughs> like, maybe but probably maybe, not maybe yeah, you're right. What did Twitch think about it? Um, people are saying Saladin, hot, hot, hot. Yeah, because Saladin is one of those figures that even the Western world has accepted yeah, yeah, yeah. as we, like, we, yeah, yeah Saladin, he's, all right. he's all right. He's all right. He's all right. Um, yell out, dude, make Ali laugh. What? I don't know what they're saying, but Miss Love, are you still alive? Yes. <laughs> I think he's watching Don't Look Up right now. But okay, let, let's. And ironically, he's not looking up. <laughs> All right, let's watch. Uh, let's talk about this new segment, which we're getting a lot of uh, requests for. Talk about the elbow and interstate rail he's promising next election. Why do you care about that, Miss? Do you care, Miss? Do you know elbow uh, has just prompted? Stop watching Leo. <laughs> I reckon you guys need to opt for the 300 cans of mother next time. Why? 300 mils. Oh, because you're <laughs> bored with all this historical chat. So insane. How many lines of coke have you guys had? <laughs> what? Did you wait, just... wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that our very dry dissection of geopolitics in the 1400s <laughs> was too ADD for you? <laughs> All I'm saying is go for the 300 mil mother next time. <laughs> right. Okay. So it wasn't enough. That's that's yeah. where you should be. That's where you should be. But uh, Miss, just so you know, Albo has made an election promise, which has gotten a lot of people in New South Wales at least talking. He wants the to build. Yeah, yeah. The and which would drastically cut down. I think from three hours or two hours and forty nine minutes to forty five minutes, which sounds pretty damn good. <laughs> that's how. That's how long it takes for me to go to Sydney City from my house, and I'm much closer to Newcastle. So, um, do you think that this will get him over the line? Is this a worthy cause? From where to where? That's the interesting question because he's got Newcastle in his pocket. He doesn't need to be promising them anything. That's the point that everybody in Newcastle is always complaining about is because they're such a safe seat. They don't get anything from the Libs or Labor. His, his, and I understand that, but here's my counter-argument to that. You lived in Newcastle. You live with it. Well, his grand plan, I think he's also laid that out, is to actually extend that 
eventually from Brisbane to Sydney. So kind of yeah. make Australia like a Japan-esque yeah. society where you can move from one city to another like pretty fast and you can technically work in different cities at the same time. It's very Albo. Every time I hear him talk, I always think, you really should be running for Prime Minister of Britain, not Australia. You're into trains too much. I think that would actually work with a lot of uh, voters in the Central Coast and Newcastle. Oh, it would. But again, they're safe. Well, there's some marginal seats in Gosford that he could swing, but maybe it's just for that. What about the hunter-gatherers that live in Hunter Valley? They usually hate uh, Labour, right? And he said that he's going to give stops to uh, uh, Hunter Valley and, rest and Central Coast as well. Well, Hunter Valley could be winning Joel Fitzgibbon's seat for him. That's true. I would argue, though, that those people don't want to move from that area because they are like hunter-gatherers. They pretty much are an uncontacted tribe and they don't want to leave their area. They want to stay where they are. So why would a bullet train entice those people? Mm. I do remember uh, going to the Blue Mountains at this Airbnb and staying at some old lady's house who has owned that place since, like, I don't know, uh, Captain Cook or some shit. And she was talking about um, how when the rails were being laid from Blue Mountains to Sydney, they hated it. They didn't want, they wanted none of that. Even though her husband, who worked in the city from Blue Mountains, used it afterwards. So maybe people in the Hunter, Gather, Hunter Valley... Hunter Gatherers. Maybe people in Hunter Valley are not fans of this high-speed rail. But I tell you who would be fans, all of those people that have bought houses recently... And you can tell from like the property prices in Central Coast, they would want to be connected to Sydney. It's an astute micro target. <laughs> I think, I, I really do think that, God, you know, look, in the game of poker that is politics, Albo really should win this one. He has worse cards dealt to him, but he's playing them a lot better than Scott Morrison is. Because technically, if there's a 45 minute train, from Newcastle to Sydney, from my perspective, I like that as, as because like, oh, even if I have like a shitty job in the city, I could technically live somewhere near Newcastle and just commute every day. Yeah. But it's still the main question that doesn't go away. Why are you living in Newcastle? I understand the Central Coast. The Central Coast is just pov northern beaches. That is what it is. It's just an extension of those places with relatively cheaper houses at this point. They mm. used to be a lot cheaper. But what's the appeal of Newcastle? I think it's Why like, does that place exist anymore? It's just like, dude, we don't export coal there anymore. What's your economy? Because it's their Constantinople. <laughs> it's the last untouched... Yeah, it's the untouched <laughs> area by like the, you know, the... Uh, ethnic diversity of Sydney, you know? Yeah. You go, uh, yeah, true. You go to Newcastle, it's an urban centre, but it's exclusively white people. Yeah. So it's like a little... And, dude, I can tell you, they kind of... They don't like immigrants over there. I don't have anything to prove it. Yeah, but they have this whole vibe of, like, we like it how it is. Fuck off. Yeah. Isaac Battlefield really is their Constantine the 11th, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> the last crusader. <laughs> Yeah, this way they get a, a way to come to Sydney in 45 minutes and get out of this place as quickly as possible. Look, if you had any sense at all, that should be the, the clincher for you. I mean, you're constantly complaining that you don't get anything. There you go. Mm. Your safe seaters that vote for Labour anyway. 
Anyway, the point is that your margin should go up a couple of percentage points. Let's and that is worth a $300 million investment. Uh, well, Isaac is Newcastle, so I think they're making yeah. the same point as you. Yeah. It's like a regular train in Hobart. What? That's not true. What are you talking about? Hobart isn't... Does Hobart have Osaka? trains? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Um, don't you still have a ferry? Yeah, I don't know. They're, well, look, I suppose like Newcastle to Sydney is a very niche New South Wales issue, but I'm guessing it's a net benefit for his election uh, chances. Look, I'm feeling good about this election. Miss, are you still feeling good about it? Uh, the election, yes. <laughs> Wait, what's what's happening? Expert analysis. What, what are you watching? Now Anthony Green. Miss, tell us what you're doing right now. It's okay. I'm definitely, well, I mean, look, I couldn't, I couldn't, I'm only a human. I couldn't listen to that without looking at some images. And I was looking at illustrations of June. <laughs> Still. <laughs> when Can was our last podcast broadcast? Like three weeks ago. <laughs> Hey, I bought you that book, Miss. What do you think? Um, dude, I love it. But I, I really love it. But no, I think the what election. Are you up to? What I, page? I am. Oh, dude, I'm not very far. I can tell you exactly. <laughs> Hold on. Thirty. I am. I am a. I am very. I am very hopeful about Albo. I mean, nothing's changed. It's not like what. What. what why would I change my mind in like, uh, you know, a month? Oh, thirty-two. Wow. Not bad. 32. I was joking. 32. Pardon me. Hey, that's Too almost 10% more than what I gave you credit for. Just so you know, Miss, <laughs> there's about 1,300 people watching us while you Jesus. watch images of Doom. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. Internet. I told you we live in the future. <laughs> I've got to get well, you to read that book as well, Ali. You seem to be the only person in our Twitch audience that hasn't bought a copy of June over the holidays. Yeah, well, I'm waiting on Miss Love to finish this, but here we go. Here's something that Miss you might find interesting. Um, Barnaby Joyce is the new name of Amber Heard's dog. <laughs> awesome. Yes, I did hear that. I don't know why you think that's interesting, but yes. <laughs> I don't know. Is this Just better? Just throwing it out there. Is this better than the Byzantine Empire? Uh, I don't know. So many difficult questions. <laughs> so esoteric. It's, this part is either one esoteric thing or another esoteric thing. Uh, yeah. um, and Barnaby's uh, response uh, look, to this was... I'm fine with that. I have no problem with animals. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. But, okay, okay. Yeah, that was a big news headline. That's a big news Christmas. headline, but what about this? Okay, so sticking to Barnaby, there was a survey done of Australians of who are their top four hated politicians. I'll give you a hint. Barnaby's on one of them. Can you guys guess? Wait, wait, and wait. just know, this who, is... Who, who? So, what? Who's top hated? For Australians, what four politicians uh, are the most hated by Australians? Now, that's not who you think is the most hated, but what you think most Australians would think are the worst four politicians. Barnaby Joyce is in that list. I'm not going to tell you the rank, but both of you go ahead and tell me your choices. I reckon Miss Love will get this better than me. 
So there's three more, is there? Yeah, there's three more. Yes, that's four. Um, look, Don't we haven't all had a bucket. Yeah, we haven't. I'm not. I'm not on camera, and we all haven't had a bucket load of mother. All right, you psychos. <laughs> <laughs> take both of you. Take three deep breaths right now. Yeah, you're you supposed it? to say something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. You did it. Um, I'm gonna go. It's got to be Pauline Scomo and uh, Craig Kelly. Ooh. Okay. I'm gonna say. Do you know? Well, yeah, I know because I've got it Obviously, in front of me. Yeah. yeah, go, yeah. Go, go, go. Okay. You. You go. You go. I'm gonna say Peter Dutton, Jackie Lambie, and Bill Shorten. <laughs> Funnily enough, Miss Love is so correct, what? and you're completely wrong because none of those are on the list. And I told you, it's not who you hate; it's who you think the population I hates. Don't hate Bill Short. Wait, yeah, of course. Don't, you gave me a Christmas card. Me, wait, don't tell. Just tell me the one that I didn't get, and I'll guess it. Tell me which I got right, which I got wrong. Well, okay, the one that you didn't guess, Miss Love, is actually number one on that list. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So tell him the ones that he got right. Okay, so you said, yeah, uh, Miss, can you repeat who you said? Um, I said Pauline on Scomo the list? and Craig Craig Kelly. Scomo's not on the list, but Craig Kelly is. Mm. So you got those right. So number one is which none of you guessed is Clive Palmer. Of course. Uh, is he a politician? Ah. Well, it, again, it's <laughs> most what most Australians think. Most Australians just think, think he's of a politician. Yeah. So number one. Number two, Miss Love, you got this right, is actually Craig Kelly. Really? Right. I think this is all, he's so prominent. Yeah, he's prominent and he was trending like only a few weeks ago. No, it's cuz it's cuz of the text messages, that's why. Yeah, yeah probably. Exactly. You're right. Australians yeah. hate Australians hate being like their privacy being invaded and he's just being like, "Hey, remember me?" That's that's why. Yeah. Yeah, and True. to think he's my I hate the fact that he's my MP. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Number three, Miss Love, you get this right. You guessed this as well. Pauline Hansen. That one surprises me. I thought that Pauline would get a lot of sympathy. Mm. Yeah, I thought so too, but who's the last? Well, I okay, told you who the last was. It was Clive Palmer. No, no, Clive oh, Palmer wait. was number oh, one. Oh, yes. <laughs> fuck. Those of you playing at home. <laughs> Barnaby um, Joyce was well, number four. Fuck. And Clive was number one. But Joyce, yeah. Dude, come on. Where was, uh, uh, you know, the the, 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 the chick from the shoes and finishes party that we love? (laughs) God, wouldn't it be great if Scott Morrison was on that list? The list does make a lot of sense. If Scott Morrison was on that list... Albo's winning the election. Exactly. <laughs> but he's not. No, and that's troubling. Um, but also pretty cool yeah. that Albo's not on that list because no oh. one knows who he is. Oh, dude. <laughs> More people know if who Albo Craig Kelly on... is than the opposition leader. <laughs> yeah, thank God. If Albo was on that list, that would be so fucked. It's just that. Like, that L- at least be... in, if you can boil down the list, it's politicians who have a name but don't have the universal backing of the mainstream press. Mm. That's mm. all of them. That's right. it. Yeah, that's it. It's like, that's so insidious. That means like, it's your point. The media is mind control. <laughs> 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 so that's your... Dude, it's, weird. It's, 
It's so weird even hearing these terms after the holidays, like mainstream press, Byzantine. I'm like, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> what did you hear over Propaganda the holidays? Propaganda model. Okay, okay. What were the phrases that replaced those for you? There wasn't any phrases. There was like a lot less talking. There was a lot. There was probably me looking at things and being like, huh. And getting smooshed yeah, by yeah, COVID no. patients. That's what happens when you're away from the pod for two weeks. But you hang around your heavily well, Croatian family for a week. What did they talk about? We, that's a good question. I did, okay, we did talk about, uh, at one point, my brother and my dad started, they, they had a secret Euro wog feast at like 1 a.m. of like, uh, tomatoes, oxart tomatoes, olive oil and boiled eggs and bread. And I was just like, shameful wog feasts in secret. Are you, do you agree, Dad? And I looked at Dad and he just looked over and he goes, I do. <laughs> so, uh, oh, I should have Father and it. son bonding. <laughs> Went to you the I, I was going to do my know? top four of things that your family was discussing. And in that, it would have been sun-dried tomatoes, olives, olive oil, <laughs> and anchovies. So I got two right. You got no, nah, you got one right. You got olive oil right. The other three, oh, no. Right. Yeah. Dude, I'm not but there was a playing lot, this game well. But there was a but there was a lot of discussion on olive oil, so I'll give you two points for that. <laughs> and Jordan, what was your Christmas like? Actually tell us a bit about your uh what did you do your holidays? Uh, I went up to Gosford, and it was the usual smorgasbord of replacing food with how ashamed they are of me, uh, how <laughs> nasty I am as a person. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh my uh, God! <laughs> Holy shit! Hades, the PlayStation game, that was up there. <laughs> And, of course, the all-time favourite, my grandma repeating to me over and over again, I don't know if it's because she's not good at arguing or she has dementia, why are you so rude? (laughs) (laughs) Panthera? Jordan, all fair things that you have to hear. It was was pretty amazing, actually, and I've got to say this. Everybody that says, "I I can't convince my parents, I think you can. I think you just don't know how, and obviously it's because you haven't spent the last seven years of your life studying little spear points to go, yeah, well, what about this and this and this one, right? But she did sit me down in the veranda. I was sitting there playing Hades, and she goes, Jordan, I go, what is it, Grandma? Fuck off. I'm at the final level. This better be good. And she said, when you're done with that, come out to the veranda. And then I shuffled out to the veranda and assumed a very defensive position of plonking myself on the chair with my arms folded. And she said, unfold your arms. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. You're very rude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, dude, is she wrong? (laughs) She's not wrong. But my point is, is there to old people anything that matters more than rudeness? Hmm. If you, Does climate change matter more? Does the government rorting a trillion dollars of your money to give to corporations matter more than the fact that I called John Barillaro a fat wog? Does that matter more? Uh, what about the fact, what about Nicole Flint's voting record? Now, nah, 
It is second, absolute, a very distant second. Usain Bolt level second <laughs> to, but you didn't have to say those awful things to her. Yeah. Dude, I'm kind of with her. I'm with your grandma on this one. <laughs> I know you are, but that is because you are an old woman. Wait, okay. Can you tell me something? <laughs> Dissecting that more, is your, let's say, method of criticism something that you think is necessary or is it the only way you can do comedy? <laughs> what? <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is... Wait, what? Okay, okay. What? The, let's, let's say the rude method yeah. of voicing your concerns. The friendly Jimmy's method. The friendly Jimmy's method. Is that something <laughs> that you think is necessary in order to get your point across? Or do you or do you not know any other way to do a criticism and comedy? Well, to do something that we also never quote, The Simpsons, a little from column A, a little from column B. Mm. I think that it's fun to be rude in that everybody always says, you don't have to make those attacks. But then you see thousands of people in the comments going, ha, ha bag lady, she does wear a bag. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, there's and I'm that. back on board. I'm back on board. Yeah. But I think the other thing is, this is what... You really need to observe, and this is actually something that Chris. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. First of all, just I need to butt in with this. There's a lot of hashtag call names coming back. <laughs> I'm not doing that. So go I on, go on. Finish man. your thought. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. <sighs> Look, corruption and greed will always be ever present in the human condition with decision makers. That will always be there. Always has, always will be. What will also always has, always will be there is that a lot of these decision makers are triggered little bitches. And the way that you get under their skin is by insulting them because they all have this monarchic view of themselves, of these divine rulers appointed by God to do as they please. And when you do that in this day and age, they have this, who dares defy the king? Who speaketh to your holy endeavor in such a manner? That's another reason why I do it. Because it's something that actually gets under their skin. They hate it. That's all I've got. I'm That's sold. The only thing that I have as a comedian. Well, I honestly am 100% sold by you saying that. Because... Yeah, that makes sense. Because they always say, well, can you do it in a different way? But yeah, but would you have known if I had done it in that different way? See, this is the whole thing. This is the point that I think red-pilled Nan, where she was saying, I've seen these <laughs> videos. They come up on my feed. Is that the word? Feed or whatever she said. On, on, no, on my, the, the classic, on my YouTube. It yeah. came up on my YouTube. Legend. <laughs> and I was saying, why do you think that those videos come up on your YouTube and the ones where I'm sitting there calmly talking about an issue, as you say I should be doing, which is what I do two out of every three of those videos? Mm. Not calmly, but relatively. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Didn't have an answer, obviously, and that's fine. She is 80 years old. I don't expect it <laughs> with Google's algorithm. <laughs> she <use> some algorithms. <laughs> well, actually, it really depends on the time of the day that you upload the... <laughs> and I was saying it's because those ones get interest in the algorithm 
And so YouTube pushes it out to anybody who has ever watched one of my videos. And it's because it has some sort of conflict or controversy in it. And that's just human nature and you have to get over it. To which her response was, but I just don't understand why you have to be so rude. <laughs> and that was and she the next four hours too. of my I mean, life until my cousin look, saved me by saying, around. it's your turn on Hades. <laughs> <laughs> Cousins always save the day. <laughs> but look, it's it is something that I don't know, and I will ask Twitch this: Do your grandparents really hate that as well? Well, that's the thing, man. Like, it's not even. I realize this, like how much uh, the older generation hates rudeness by looking at some of the laws. Like, you know, it's technically illegal for you to swear in public. Really? Even if you're talking to your friend, it's illegal because that generation just thought it was so preposterous for anyone to utter these words, particularly in public, that you had to put them in jail for it. Mm. And now most sentences of every regular Joe out there has some kind of profanity in it. Mm. So it's it, got, it is just such a generational divide. I was always thinking it is so lame that the Murdoch press all they have in response to all of my facts is he says swear words, but it plays to their audience. Well, they don't even say that. You're giving them more credit than they deserve. They actually say a lot worse shit of like how you're hell bent on, uh, I don't know, eradicating female voting or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're kind of making up stuff at this point. So don't give them that. I wish they were saying that because that would be kind of accurate. You'd be like, well, he uses profanity. A little. Good point. He does. I mean, I don't dislike it, is, it, but you are saying an accurate thing, sir. It is really interesting as well. Okay. Just because, and this is why I'm constantly trying to fight against the tide of all these American YouTubers hell bent on giving everything a label, and I'm always trying to put some kind of flag on the beachhead of stop doing that, because the Murdoch press does that to a T. The way that they weasel their way out of you're constantly defending comedians and their right to offend is they say, but he's actually not a comedian. He's more a smash-up artist, whatever that means. Mm. Yeah. So the way that they get around this is by inventing these labels so that they're consistent mm. and that is our special guest who unfortunately comes at a time when we're almost running out of it and because it takes about 20 minutes to get clearance due to covid she won't be here the point is the guest <laughs> was drum roll my girlfriend we will be on the uplay podcast so if you want to hear exclusive content of somebody who will yeah. be talking a lot about French and Aussie Bulldogs, make sure you sign yeah. up. <laughs> Wait, so are we doing yeah. our last segment? This was actually an, an ode to your methods. It's very fitting after our rude segment and your tactics of being heard. Mm. But here's Miss Love. Here's something that I don't mm. know if Jordan created, but he certainly plays a big role in it which is that a lot of these uh, investors and uh, fund managers are, are scared because these super lobbyists are now asking them to invest in areas that conforms to their super, like basically the viewpoints of people that have put their super in these funds. So you're having these executive boardroom mm. meetings 
where in uh, uh, directors of companies are walking out because the investors of these uh, super funds are investing into yeah. like uh, mining operations into and even things whoa. like uh, yeah, that, uh, that, and cool. CEOs getting paid exorbitantly more than the middle management or uh, workers in the companies. And this is all happening because of activism of regular people to asking their super dude, funds to do that, that. That shit to me is the most like, is the most profound result of the friendly Jimmy's empire. It, it, something as simple as being like, use a Cozier, switch to Future Super, switch to Bank Australia, which I have not switched to Bank Australia, but I have switched to Future Super, you know, slow and steady wins the race. But the point is, those initiatives, that shit is dope as fuck. I mean, you said so yourself. That's. I would say that's more, you know, even even more profound and effective than like calling what's the name a bag lady, and it's also not rude. It's very nice. <laughs> and this is this is a huge so lobby too because I'm a big, apparently it's amazing. It, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, big big fan of that. Jordan wasn't impressed like, by yeah. this figure, but I was. Apparently, twenty percent of all Australian stocks are owned by super funds. I thought it was more. Yeah, that that's fucking. That's a lot, dude. That's it's huge. Crazy. It's that's enough crazy. to drive investment from one area to another. I tell you that much. That's yeah. I mean, but Jordan wasn't wasn't that the whole point of your future super video? Which which fucking you crashed the site. I mean, I changed for fuck's sake. The unbreakable man. We're up to one hundred eighty million dollars. I'll tell you that. But the other thing. We're going into phase two of that this year, so stay tuned. But I have plans. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Dollar Mike. Hey, become, sign up keep to. Going, keep oh, keep it going. Okay. Is, it, is it a dollar, dollar Mike? No, we're, we're, waiting, we're waiting for our special guest who will introduce you to. Uh, and then immediately <laughs> stop the, the podcast. That's, That's the plan. The plan. So everyone stick around, stick around. Well, this is a waiting game. Yeah. <laughs> Is Jeez, it Jordan really kills phase, conversation is, when you are waiting for something. <laughs> yeah. Is phase two of your plan join up to your Dolomites account again? Because I'll do it. <laughs> the psychic strikes again. That bank, uh, that, that piggy bank that they give you that you can only access by cutting with scissors is extremely <laughs> good for the environment. <laughs> Dude, and the checking's cool. And the wait's Dude. over. Cause, let us introduce you. Actually, Jordan, remove the side screen. Come in, come in, come in. To the chief guest. Have have a seat, our special guest. We've been hyping you up all this time. You look very nice, by the way. Perfectly dressed for as opposed to us. Hey. Where's Miss Love? I didn't. Ladies and gentlemen, the future of Hollywood to new end. Dude, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. The, how are you? How are you? How did you find one of the girls? Wait, 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 wait. Just, just how are you? How are you two? I'm wonderful. Oh and God. we're out of time. Oh. Thank you so much for contributing. If you want to listen to two, no, no. you have to go to the Uplate podcast. Her mic wasn't on. <laughs> I was well, you, you know, you only get one first impression. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, oh, that's right. the camera. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going.
if you want to hear more from our special guest, then you've got to sign up for Patreon. Sign up to Patreon and listen to the update because Two Nguyen is going to be part of it, right? Yep. Yep. You're yep. not leaving us yet? Do it. Uh, I, I guess I'll stay. <laughs>